Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And if you're on YouTube, welcome to the YouTube show. We're uh, simulcasting, I guess you will, if you will, uh, both on podcasts and now on YouTube, uh, trying this out, seeing it goes. So if there are technical issues, we apologize. We're working through those. But we've got a lot to work through on today's show. Uh, we've got Oregon football and their spring game is less than a week away, May 1st. We're going to talk about what happened in their most recent scrimmage. We're going to talk about what happened uh, in terms of development from some guys that are moving up depth charts, making some surprise, de- uh, surprise developments, if I can get that out. Uh, some improved depth at a position of, of maybe, you know, we were a little worried about some depth at, at some positions and it seems like that might not be the case anymore. Uh, and then we'll roll into some spring game coverage talking uh, things to watch in this Saturday spring game. Plus, Eric's got his bold predictions ready to go. Um, let's, Eric, let's start with Saturday's scrimmage. Um, it was their second scrimmage leading up to the spring game. Uh, Marlo Cristobal noted after the first one that it was the offense's day by far, that they, they had the better day. He, he said the defense made plays, but overall it was the offense that kind of Dominated isn't the right word, but they controlled that scrimmage. The second one, it, it was a counterpunch, and he, he compared it to a Mike Tyson hook um, from Oregon's defense uh, in that first couple of series by both you know the first, second, third teams. They were able to kind of bounce back, have a good performance, and it really sounds like um, Verone McKinley, probably the most experienced DB they have. Is that is that a fair – at Oregon, yeah. at Oregon. I mean, Happel's Happel's older, but he hasn't played at Oregon as long. I think, yeah, that's fair. And Crystal Ball said, you know, Verone McKinley, the sophomore safety, had a phenomenal interception, uh, going hash into the field to snag it. Showed you know tremendous technique and and eye discipline to, to nail that. And sounded like McKinley also had a couple other plays in which. He got the defense off the field with some stops, whether it was deflecting a ball or hitting a defensive player. Um, big performance from their safety, uh, Verone McKinley. But then uh, we also you know, found out that you know, this was a unit that fought back, and that's kind of what you wanted to hear a second scrimmage. I'd be a little concerned. Uh, I've got a lot of confidence in the Oregon offense, but I'd be a little concerned if two scrimmages in a row, they kind of kick the butt of, of the defense. But we, we well, see the defense bounce back. Yeah, because I think in part because we thought the defense was probably going to be a little better than the right. offense at, the, at this point, too, it, just for, for a variety of reasons, but in particular because the quarterback position is kind of the, probably the least confident one you have on the roster, maybe. I don't know if that's totally fair, but like it's the one that you have that's the most important that you lose, the, that, you, that you're trying to replace a starter. And I don't know if like we know for sure. We feel like Anthony Brown's the guy, but like I would have been surprised if the defense like took a couple L's in a, in a row and scrimmages. I bet the spring game is probably gonna be pretty even as well. So I mean, I think it's positive from the fact that like, yeah, I think if we were sitting here and, and Mario was like, boy, the offense just kind of did it again, we'd be I'd going, be what's going on here? Cause I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the elite talent, a lot of the NFL talent for this team is on defense with the Cape on Thibodeau's and Mikhail Wright's going in, going into the season. Yes. Yes. I mean, like, but like, I think you feel, I feel pretty confident saying like the highest ceiling draft players are, are on oh, defense. Yes. Like that's the top where the, the talents, the, the yes. strongest quote unquote. And like, you know, and I think there's certainly a lot of really good players on offense too, but defense is where it's at. So if they would have gone out and for, yeah, for two straight weekends, kind of be 
a little underwhelming, maybe that would have been sort of discouraging news. And of course, this is still so far from the season and, and we can't totally ignore the fact that they're putting in a new defense. So, like, I mean, that's part of it too. So that would be like a quote unquote, like built in kind of reason to be maybe skeptical of what you expect from your defense this early, but um, certainly really positive to hear that, you know, right now that, that they bounced back, they played hard. I think we kind of all expected that. And the guy like Verone being the one to spark it, also probably pretty predictable just because he is one of the veteran guys. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Brown, again, took all the reps at quarterback. Um, we've talked about this on the show a couple of times. That's to be expected what we were, you know, hearing what we were seeing. He threw a touchdown pass to Devin Williams. Um, Jay Butterfield threw what ended up being a 97-yard touchdown pass to Chris Hudson. Uh, Hudson with that speed has yeah. been a phenomenal uh, player. And that's good to see that, you know, Butterfield is doing that. Um, Ashford did take part in the scrimmage this time around. Robbie Ashford, uh, the other true freshman, I guess, second year red true freshman quarterback um, for this second year freshman. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be difficult to to figure out and say all these names because of the extra year. But yeah, he missed the scrimmage the first time because of an ankle injury he suffered in the day uh, that day's practice leading up to the scrimmage. But Cristobal said he was back in town. Uh, healthy, ready to go, and took part in the scrimmage, and he had his moments, as did freshman Ty Thompson. Um, two guys that seem to be moving up the depth chart or at least having really good springs and showing the staff that, hey, they can at least be counter- counted upon to make plays if, if asked, uh, are two younger guys, uh, redshirt freshman Triquez Bridges and redshirt sophomore Isaiah Crocker um, bridges at corner Crocker at receiver. And I think that's where we're going to start with Crocker is you noticed this at the first scrimmage when we were allowed yeah. to go in, that he was taking reps with the first team and taking reps with the second team. And this is a guy that correct me if I'm wrong and I'm not trying to bash the kid, but he's played one, one game at Oregon yeah. in, his, yeah. in his three previous years. And so to see him jump onto that first team, and that second team was a little bit of a surprise because it's like, hey, I mean, he was a four-star kid coming out of high school. All you know, uh, an all-American was a, was a member of the the the, the opening finals rosters. So yeah. coming out of high school, this was one of Oregon's most highly decorated receivers. It's just it hadn't translated yet, and it sounds like that's where things are going. That Crocker is starting to make progress, starting to make plays, and Cristobal singled him out and said he had to single him out for what he did in the scrimmage and what he did through the first 11 practices as well. It's just a classic, you know, fourth year sophomore, right. you know, you know, you got to, you usually your fourth year sophomores usually start figuring it out. No, I, but no, I, I say that as a joke, but like, I do think, I do think that fan base, we get like kind of impatient with yeah. the expectations of a guy. And it's like, boy, he hasn't, he hasn't clicked yet. It hasn't figured it out. He's been here right. two years. All right. On to the next guy. And it, sometimes the light bulb clicks a little later. And I think Crocker, and we'll get to bridges in a second. I think they both apply, but like you, you can't just say, okay, it's two years and write them off. And someone like Crocker, it was probably pretty easy to, to quote unquote write off because like Matt said, he has literally no playing experience in a couple, you know, in, in more than a couple of seasons in three seasons in Eugene. Um, you know, this is his fourth year with the team. And I think it was pretty easy to just kind of say, well, he'll be an afterthought. He'd been kind of, I mean, last year there were times he didn't even dress for games yeah. when they were kind of low on receivers. And so that was like, kind of like, okay. And then, yeah. And this, at the scrimmage, I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, wait, 88's out there with the first team right now that I must be seeing this wrong. And then the second team and, and whatnot. And so he was playing with kind of the first and 
second team offenses. And I don't, I don't know if we can expect he's going to jump in and, and be somebody who really, really makes a massive impact. Like, I don't think he's challenging for, for like the fourth or fifth receiver on the roster right now, just because of the depth that Oregon has. But like, He's certainly somebody, it sounds like, at least needs to be considered. And at least like it could be a name that we see this fall. And like, I think it would be an awesome outcome for, for Isaiah's development if he's just able to play in a handful of games and, and get a couple of catches and, and a few of them and, and maybe finish the season with eight to ten catches. Like That's fine from Isaiah Crocker, considering he's been such a, a kind of lack of much of anything in the past. And another, way, another instance, I guess, where you can just also tip the cap for sticking around because you see so many guys transfer and, and move on. and. And they say somebody didn't do that, and, and now we look up, and it would have been easy to do it, and, and now he's out there at least giving himself a chance to play. So it's kind of like a feel-good story in the spring, as you know. and of course we want to get into fall before we can like really get too excited about it, but I think really encouraging at least to see a guy like this making, making a, a, an op- I guess trying to find an opportunity for himself after it's been tough for a couple of years to, to do that. I think the significance of like a guy like Crocker and his development and the positive impact here is – that makes it that much more harder uh, for a guy like Chris Hudson or a guy like Devin Williams. And obviously these guys all don't play the same position, but yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're talking about some, some guys who are trying to push their way into that top three mix, top four mix. And you now add a whole nother player into that discussion that raises the bar of competition and will force the rest of the group to continue to, to push harder and, and consistently play well in practice because if they don't, they're going to drop. And Cristobal always talks about it, competition, competition, competition. Now you're adding another guy into the mix who sounds like he's legitimately in there to at least have a chance to, to make the travel roster and to be a guy that sees the field. Like Eric said, we're not saying he's going to be a guy that all of a sudden in 2021 goes for 40 catches and, you know, 550 yards and five touchdowns, but this could be a guy that now helps solidify the depth helps, you know, continues to push guys to play better in practice and, you know, elevates the entire room. And he's, he was coming out of high school as one of the best receivers in the country. I mean, Alabama offered him for a reason. Yeah. So that, you know, that's something to watch and just see kind of how that develops over the next week and then into off season and into fall camp. And then the other one is TriQuest Bridges, uh, a guy that has had a position change, six foot three, came to Oregon as a three-star safety. Uh, I believe, Eric, he, he leads the, the high school record books uh, in the state of Alabama for the most interception in, interceptions in his career. Yep. And I, I've been beating this guy's drum thinking he was going to play right away. It hasn't happened. And while it's not time to, to write him off yet, you do kind of wonder, like, when's it going to happen for him? Cause a bunch of new safeties are coming in. A bunch of new corners are coming in. Where's he going to, where's he going to find his niche? And he's moved a corner and Oregon's cornerback coach, Rod chance. And then following that Mario Cristobal both raved about what bridges did. And you kind of talked to bridges earlier, this, this, this camp, and he's had a really good camp. And now the coaches are confirming it as well. Yeah, we saw it last scrimmage too. The the first scrimmage, we weren't able to watch a second one, but the, the first scrimmage, he made a couple big plays, broke a couple passes up, uh, had a tackle for loss in the red zone. Where if he doesn't make it, that might be a, a touchdown for I think it was CJ Verdell who he, he met there. So like you you've seen it already on the field, and now you're hearing it from teammates, both DJ James and Jamal Hill on last I think that was Thursday's media 
Right. Really spoke highly of him. A couple of guys that came into the program at the same time from the Southeast. We, I think we talked about that on last Friday's show. Just like, it's kind of cool seeing these guys develop. And then, yeah, just a couple of days later to hear something very similar from, from Rod Chance and, and Coach Cristobal. I think that's, that's certainly significant. And, you know, this cornerback position going into the spring, we felt really good about Mikhail Wright. And I think we felt pretty darn good about DJ James. And the rest of it was a lot of question marks. And Triquez was certainly one of those guys in that kind of question mark category of like huge upside. I think we both of us were really high on his potential to contribute early. Um, coming from Alabama, just with that size and the playmaking skills and kind of having that built in. And it's taken him, you know, a couple of years to get there. But now it sounds like he's at least deserving of being in the conversation to maybe be that second starter. And I, I probably won't be probably still maybe best case is like, he's your third corner. Um, but just but it's feel, another guy that you can count on. Yeah. Just to be kind of like, cause I think the other part of it was, it was, you want to identify the two starting corners, but you also wanted to find out like who's guys three, four and five. Cause that wasn't clear either coming into spring. At least I didn't, I don't think we thought so. Um, and so to at least, it looks like you can consider him to be in that rotation group along with, you know, Dante Manning and maybe Jalen Davies, um, you know, a couple of those guys, at least he's in that conversation and, and maybe the third guy of those guys or, you know, in third position, you know, behind TJ James and Mikhail Wright. I think that's a really big positive. And I've loved the upside of having a guy that size just around the red zone to, to mix things up, you know, that height, that athleticism, obviously that, as Matt said, you know, the, the state of Alabama all time, I think he's tied maybe, but all time leader in interceptions. He's got that playmaking skills and those abilities and, and to have him out on the field, even if it's only in specific situations, maybe, maybe it's just like in the red zone and jump ball situations. And you want a guy who's you know, two or three inches taller than Wright or DJ James. And, and that's a nice fit. So I'm excited to see kind of what comes from him. I think that that cornerback group, you really think about it. These are like all freshmen and sophomores. This is yeah. an extremely young group and it's good to see, um, you know, one of the older guys, quote unquote, in Bridges, who's I think still like a third year freshman yep. um, out there making some contributions and at least positioning himself to be a guy down the line, whether or not 2022 or 23 is when we see more from him or, or whatnot. But I think that's a po- it's a big positive. It's a big positive having these guys develop right now. So Bridges set the state record for Alabama, played at Atlanta High School in Atlanta, Alabama. State records for interceptions with 36 and then this is probably the one that's truly bonkers. And he set the state record for interceptions returned for touchdowns at 13. Wow. <laughs> so, I was expecting to say like five or six. 13 is crazy. That's like that's over a third of just over a third of all interceptions he returned in high school uh, went for touchdowns. So, that's awesome. I mean, this is a guy that's got big playability, and he played in seven games for Oregon in 2020, one game in 2019. And like Eric said, you know, it's not – we're not out here expecting this guy to, to, to be the starter because, you know, we, we feel confident that Mikhail is one, DJ two, DJ James is probably two. But then it becomes who, who is where backing up these guys. And right. Dante right. Manning – while he was a five-star in the 2020 recruiting class, he played in one game in 2019 in, in, during the 2020 season. He had a hard time staying healthy. He had a hamstring injury in fall camp, and then uh, it re-aggravated it. Um, n- nothing to his fault, you know, but it just he just couldn't get healthy for the year. Um, and then behind 
those guys, there's JJ Greenfield, a, a, a true freshman that played in 2020, will be a true freshman again in 2021. He played in six games for the Ducks zero starts, uh, primarily on special teams. And then Jalen Davies, uh, a true freshman, a guy that should be going to prom um, this, you know, next couple of weeks, a four-star guy from the 2021 class. You know, that's the thing. If Bridges, he's the most experienced guy uh, on this roster that will not be starting most likely at cornerback. And if, and I feel a lot better now, Eric, about Oregon's depth, hearing what the coaches are saying about bridges, seeing what we saw in that first scrimmage, and it'll be confirmation a little bit towards that area of confirmation on Saturday when during the spring game, when we see bridges play again. But I think you feel better now knowing that bridges is elevating his game Dante Manning is now healthy. Jalen Davies is into the program. J.J. Greenfield uh, is a guy that's got some experience under his belt as a freshman during the 2020 season. And you still got two more corners coming in to the program in the in June when uh, a four-star and a three-star corner that, that they signed in 2021 joined the roster. Yeah, no, I, again, I, as I said earlier, I don't think I thought corner was going to be like the weakest position on the team, but it was certainly the one with the most question marks coming into spring. And I feel like now having spoken to a couple of the corners, now having spoken with Rod Chance, now having heard some really positive things from Cristobal kind of reflecting on the, on the spring so far, I think you feel quite a bit better at this position group. I, I still feel like I'm going to want to see it in person and that Ohio State game is going to be a massive test right. because this is a really young group going against – Ohio State, and I don't, I don't even know Ohio State's roster, but I can just tell you they're going to have dudes. Um, you know that that that, that wide receiver, at most positions are really talented, but wide receiver they've had a lot of really good players come through there. I, I think Oregon's going to be challenged at, at corner, and so you're going to want to get through that game and probably a couple other games to kind of see exactly what you have. But from a spring perspective, I feel like it's gone at least from. And again, weird situation because we haven't been able to watch practice as much, but it feels like it's gone about as well as we, you could expect in terms yeah. of you came in with one guy you really felt good about with Mikhail Wright, wanting to see DJ James solidify that second spot. Sounds like he's done that. And you wanted to see some of these younger guys who just haven't really put it together or haven't played a lot on the field, do it in spring. And it sounds like that's taken place too. So like, I, I think it's something that definitely, I don't feel like it's the strength of the defense yet. Cause I want to see it, but like, I also feel quite a bit better now just saying like, okay, it seems like they've got, I think it's pretty clear whether one and two corners are. I think yeah. Kale Wright's one starting corner and DJ James the other. And it's going to take someone else taking that spot from DJ for that to change. Mikhail's your star corner, first team all conference. You know, probably he's an NFL be, player. He's going to be drafted in the 2022 first, second, or third round, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like after his third year. Like this is his last season, more than likely. Um, but like I feel pretty good now thinking, okay, it sounds like Triquez is positioning himself better and Dante Manning and JJ Greenfield and Jalen Davies have all also, at least we've heard some positive stuff about those guys. So yeah, I think you feel a little bit better about this group. And I think the one that'll be something, and this maybe this transitions into the next segment talking spring storylines, but I think it's, it's going to be a, a thing I want to watch quite a bit in the spring game is, is how does Oregon's wide receivers and how do Oregon's corners, how do they match up with each other? Because there's a lot of talent, a lot of young talent on both sides there. And frankly, I just want to see those guys get reps going one-on-one and, and then see how those guys fare, um, you know, against each other. Because I think that is going to be a, a big test to just kind of see where you're at. I think you, you feel really good about the veterans at wide receiver, but you want to see what you got in the younger guys. And I think the same thing's the case at, at corner. 
quick note um, before we move to the spring game. Uh, Michael Wright has been, you know, everyone just oozes over his speed. He is probably one of, he has the reputation of being one of the fastest corners in the country, one of the fastest players on Oregon's roster in the Pac-12 and nationally. I mean, you go back uh, in the 2019 season and just watch him return kickoffs and you see how fast he is. Um, Rod Chance, Oregon's cornerback coach, said, DJ James, you put those two guys in a race, DJ James will win a couple of those races if they were to race 10 times. Um, he, he said they're neck and neck in terms of speed. Wow. So I, I think that was also a super telling little caveat that he gave us when, you know, so much was about bridges and, 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 and the depths that's d- developing, you know, we, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about DJ James, but he is a guy that's, you know, very fast in his own right. And his confidence level, he, he himself said shot way up. Uh, the second half of the 2020 football season when he started playing more and more reps. Um, So that's something to watch there. Uh, Spring game storylines. Okay. Let's break these down, Eric. I've got a couple written down. Um, You can throw in some uh, if you will, if you want at the end, but let's discuss these. Let's flush these out. I think the obvious one is Anthony Brown at quarterback. Like, I want to see what he looks like, and I want to see why Oregon has been steadfast on giving him every single first-team quarterback rep. Like, yeah, yeah. this has to be the storyline, right? Like, the storyline. It's it's not Ty Thompson. It's not the new defense. It's not year two of uh, Joe Moorhead's offense. It's Anthony Brown. What does he – what has he done in the 11 practices – leading up to this recording, what has he done in the, in the three others that will come after this recording to justify him to get every single rep at quarterback for, with the first team? Well, and I'll, I'll say one thing. If, you, if we come away from the spring game thinking Anthony Brown was mediocre or not very good, that's going to be a real tough pill to swallow going into the offseason, I think, for a lot of people. I think people want to see Anthony Brown be really good in this game. And I think if he's not really good – I think there's going to be a lot of people who are kind of questioning what's going on and, and being concerned. And this is a really tough spot to be in as the veteran six year senior with a bunch of freshmen behind you and the freshmen being players everyone's excited about where I think there's like a lot of kind of quite a bit of pressure on his shoulders this Saturday. Um, it's just an unusual situation where, again, we've seen him play 15 snaps maybe against USC and maybe 25 to 30 against Iowa State. I don't even know exactly, but something in the long lines, probably 50 snaps of in-game you know, action and this upcoming season, he's expected to be the starter based upon a very limited amount of in-game sample reps that we've seen. And the spring game is going to be probably over scrutinized from that perspective of like every kind of mistake he makes or every time he misses a receiver or or whatnot, it's going to be something that is going to be kind of nitpicked. Now the counter to that is if he comes out and is just balling and plays really, really, really well, he is going to set, I think the fan base into the offseason expectations will skyrocket exactly with with really high expectations like if he goes out there and I I don't know he's 15 for 18 he throws three touchdowns and has a couple long runs or whatnot people are going to be feeling kind of feeling themselves after this game but if he goes out and struggles and throws a pick and maybe doesn't complete maybe he's like eight for 13 or 14 or something like that and it doesn't look great 
th- then you're going to start hearing some stuff. But I'm with you. I think th- this is a big prove game, pr- prove me game for Anthony Brown because all spring it's been talked about. Like, okay, he's it's, he's getting all the reps, and I think people kind of are okay with that. But they want to see it justified here in the spring game. And if he doesn't look very good, I think there's going to be some kind of murmuring of like, what about these freshmen? Shouldn't those guys have been getting some of these reps this spring? Kind of did they misplay this? And that's kind of the negative aspect of a spring game is that it's one of 15 practices, but because it's got the spring game attachment to it, there are going to be, look, and I'm guilty of it just as much as the average fan is. Yeah. There will be more stock put into what happens on Saturday in the spring game over anything we hear, anything we write about, anything we see in the 14 other practices. So, you know, like, I hope he does well. I want him to do well uh, because that builds the excitement. But it, it's also, I, I will say, if, if, if it is a, a, a poor showing from Anthony Brown, you do get concerned, but also try and don't overblow it because it's one of 15 and we've all had bad days, right? In whatever profession we sure. have, <laughs> you know, we've all had bad days. A lot of them. <laughs> so like that's the one caveat there. But you do want to see – and you hope to see the confirmation of why Anthony Brown has taken all the, the QB one reps and you don't have, I guess the whole point is whether he plays good or not, you want to walk out of the spring game knowing, okay, that's why he's the number one. It could be, he has an average day. Maybe he does go 14 for 25 and he throws for 180 and, and two touchdowns and one interception. And you're like, I saw some good things. I saw some bad things. He was not average, but not elite either. Right. But then maybe the other three quarterbacks all have bad days and you walk out of that feeling. Okay. Now I understand. Like I'm concerned about quarterback, but he, this is the guy like this is the, this has to be the guy you have to walk out of the spring game feeling like, okay, do we have a clear cut guy at quarterback or is this an open job again, going into fall camp? Um, Let's move to the defensive side for a second here. Tim DeRuder comes from Cal, replaces uh, Andy Avalos as the Oregon defensive coordinator after Avalos took the head coaching job at his alma mater at Boise State. And for the most part, Eric, we've heard from multiple defensive players. We've heard from defensive coaches. We've heard from Tim DeRuder. Um, The install of of this new defense a lot of guys are saying it's simplified and it's not a shot at Andy Avalos, but it's just streamlined better for guys to pick things up. And there's also been some discussions of position changes and how are guys deployed. And this will be our first crack at seeing what the Tim DeRuder Oregon defense looks like. And to me, knowing Oregon's best player overall is on the defensive side, Kayvon Thibodeau, I'm really curious to see where he lands within this defense and how does the overall defense look? Is it even going to be different from noticeably different from what Andy Avalos ran? Yeah, no, I mean, that's obvious. I think that's the big thing is, is for those in attendance and those watching it for the first time is how does this look that different? Does this right. feel that different? And I, I know, I think, I, I think I asked like kind of a very similar question just to Mace Foon of like, is, is the average fan watching this going to feel like it's much different? And he said, Probably not, but there'll be some kind of like some some shifts. So like my, my guess is we're going to see a defense where it it does not like we're going to have a lot of like four or five man, you know, you know, defensive linemen kind of you know formations. And I don't think you're going to see 
you know, players in completely different positions, but I think it'll look pretty similar with a couple little tweaks and alterations. And I think the KT part is the big one for me. I, I just want to know exactly what he's going to be doing. And I don't think we're going to get full clarity from the spring game. I'm not silly enough to think that's the case, but I think we'll be at least a decent idea, you know, of like of what he's doing and how he does. I mean, I, I, even, even if we only see a handful of snaps with him kind of without a hand down, I'd love to, I, I want to see how he plays in coverage. He said he's going to be ready to, to make some interceptions and to shut down some tight ends and wide receivers. That's I want to see that. Um, you know, I want to see him kind of more doing things that are outside of the, I guess, responsibility or, or the or kind of the set of tools he's kind of established in the past. So that part to me is big. I, I, I want to see how they're utilizing him. I think, you know, you know, all the kind of stuff we've heard DeRuiter say and we've heard KT say and, you know, some of the comparisons that have been made to like Von Miller and stuff like that and utilizing him similarly, all that kind of perks your ears up and gets you pretty excited. Um, I, now I kind of want to go see what it looks like on Saturday. And I, I, I'm expecting to be really excited and, and enthusiastic about kind of some of it and probably also the flip side, kind of like with the expectation at quarterback, expecting some of it to look maybe not quite perfect yet because it is the spring. Um, I, I, I do think because it is a first-year defensive coordinator – the defense kind of buys itself at least I don't say an opportunity, but buys itself a little bit of an, uh, an understanding from the fans of like, okay, if, if, if it's not completely perfect now, there's kind of a built in understanding of why that would be. So, I mean, I think if, if they perform really well, that's great. If they perform really well and have some moments where they don't, I think you can kind of expect that just based upon it's only the 12th or well, 15 practices preparing for a, new, a brand new defense. Wild card item to look for on the defense is, Will we see Justin Flo participate? Mm. He's he's been, you know, working his way back from an injury that he suffered that knocked him out of the 2020 football season. He's suited up for some parts of of scrimmages and practices. We'll see if he actually plays, and if he does, how does he look? And there was there was a lot of discussion and a lot of hype and a lot of excitement surrounding his addition to the team and unfortunately for him unfortunately for the program unfortunately for the the fan base he only got to play one game for Oregon for getting hurt and you just wonder what does he look like uh how does he fit within this defense where does he play because we were we were so much you know so excited to find all those answers last year and we didn't get them now there's a new defense yeah and you just that's something that I'm curious to, to see play out is where does Justin Flo fit if he does play? Like he has to play in these games, but where do they put him? How is he going to be deployed? Yeah, he's an, I think he's an inside linebacker all the way, but I, I'd be curious to see kind of what that role looks like. And again, we've, we've heard Tim Druder talk about maximizing guys and putting them in the best place scenarios. An athlete, a talent like Flo deserves to be maximized. And I hope – we see him. I hope we just see him out there. Period. I don't think there's any like. I don't know if we know with 100 percent certainty that he'll play at all. Right. Um. I think j- just after the previous scrimmage, it was after the first scrimmage. I should say it was talked about how he was kind of getting back into doing full drills and stuff like that. I don't know if he'll be available, but if he is, I, I'm really. I mean, that's a player. I think a lot of people just want to see. I mean, he's basically the equivalent of a a true freshman. Like, I mean, even though he's a, a class earlier, he's a 2020 kid, not a 21 kid. He's basically a 21 kid to a lot of people because we just haven't seen him. You know, he, he has not had his real debut at Otson. So um, I hope we see him out there on Saturday and, and I'm excited to see what he can do. And if we don't, that just means we have to wait a little longer um, to see him and probably that, that season, not probably that season opener against Fresno State will be the, the first time we'll really get an opportunity to see what he can provide. 
Are you more excited to see the second team or the first team defense? I'm kind of leaning towards second team. Oof. I want to see what the younger guys look like. That wasn't on my sh- our show notes, Matt. And you hit me with that. And I think, yeah, I think I'm with you. I think, yeah, like, let's see. I want to see some of these younger guys because um, there are, there's not a, there's just not that much turnover from the first team from last year. I feel right. like we kind of know this defense. I mean, aside from uh, like, who's kind of replacing a couple guys on the front. Like I, I, I do, I, I guess another thing on defense, I do want to kind of see how the defensive front looks the front the you know, the defensive line, just because a number of guys moving on um, guys that we thought looked good last year, stepping up. We just haven't seen it yet, but yeah, I think overall the second team defense is a little bit more exciting. You've got guys like Justin Flo, you've got Dante Manning. You've got some of these really highly regarded recruits from the 2021 class, you know, and Keith Brown and Jeffrey Bossa and uh, you know, Damon David, Scoop David, people talked a lot about him. I don't know if all these guys are going to be like full on second team guys or not. Like, there's certainly some reserves and some young guys we just haven't seen who I'm excited to see. And that doesn't mean I'm like not going to be paying close attention when the first defense is out there, obviously, but like we've, we've seen a lot of these guys play and, yeah. and it's going to be, I think it's, I think watching the first team defense is going to be probably less about personnel and more about just what they're doing schematically for me. And, and the second team defense, it probably flips. Development of Oregon's younger quarterbacks is another one. Um, and we probably should have lumped this with Anthony Brown, but I do think there there is going to be a lot of intrigue in seeing how far along is Jay Butterfield, how far along is Robbie Ashford, two guys that were true freshmen and four-star recruits um, as part of the 2020 recruiting class last year. Um, Two guys that came to Oregon with high expectations of being impact players and then, you know, their off season last year, they were here for spring and that got cut short. And so, you know, they were kind of robbed a half a year of development. What steps have they taken uh, in that second half of the year now that we're back to spring football again, and how have they been able to capitalize and maximize their, their talents during, you know, the 14 other practices that lead up to the spring game. And then you throw in Ty Thompson and this is the, most highly decorated recruit that Oregon has ever signed at quarterback. Uh, he is the highest rated player to sign at that position with the ducks. Where does he fit? How does he look? I mean, I know there's a lot of people in the media. There's a lot of people in the fan base. Um, and there were some people within the program when they signed him that thought this was going to be the starter going into 2021. How, where is Ty Thompson at in his development? And do you walk away from this group thinking, is there a challenger for Anthony Brown? I think that's the biggest question from this group is, does one of these three guys emerge out of the, the smoke, if you will, of spring camp and go into the off season, going into May, going into June and July saying, I'm right behind Anthony Brown. I can, I can catch up to him and make this true quarterback competition in August and fall camp. So like you just talked about how maybe the second team defense, you're, you're more excited yeah. than the second team offense. I'm maybe more excited about the quarterbacks two, three, and four than number one. I'm not saying I'm not excited about Anthony Brown because we've got a lot to learn about there. But with this other three quarterbacks, like I'm really excited to see them compete. That we just, we, I mean, I talked about how little we've seen Anthony Brown. You know, we've seen even pl- less of the other guys. We've, we've seen like none of those guys. I mean, we watched a scrimmage last week and that's basically all we've seen. And so, like, yeah, I want to see how those guys perform almost maybe as much, if not more, than Anthony Brown. And, I, like, 
I don't know if that's totally true because I think part of me really does want to see, like we talked about it earlier on the show, just like I, I really do want to see kind of Anthony Brown and, and the snaps he's gotten and the opportunity he's being given. I want to see kind of the reasoning behind that reaffirmed, I guess, because we just haven't seen it enough. But I mean, I certainly think these three young guys, I'm really excited to see those guys. I mean, that, that, I mean, honestly, that might be number one and number two is just the quarterbacks. I mean, I think they both, I mean, if we're, if we're going to split them up as, as, you know, storylines, I'm almost just as, if not more excited just to see what these three younger guys look like, because we just haven't seen enough yet. I haven't seen Robbie Ashford take part in a single scrimmage snap. Yeah. You know, we haven't seen any of that yet. And while we have seen obviously some of, of Jay Butterfield and, and, and Ty Thompson, it's very limited and it's not exactly enough to really have a, a clear idea. And I don't think we're going to see enough to like really know everything, obviously in a, in a spring game scrimmage, but I, I think it'll be helpful to at least get a couple series with those guys. And again, we don't know what the format will look like, but I think the expectation is we should see a, a, a quite a bit of opportunity for, for all three young quarterbacks. The offensive line. Um, this is one that I think, you look at the depth chart from the Fiesta Bowl game against Iowa State or the depth chart of week one last year against Stanford, and every single starter is back from the opening day lineup in 2020 to the last lineup used in 2020. Their yeah. top reserve is back. And yet – and so normally you go in thinking like – this is going to be a position group that they're loaded. They're going to be one of the best units in the entire country. There's no position battles at all. And yet I walk into this spring and now going into the spring game thinking kind of the opposite. Like I, I expect one of these five guys that started to maybe lose a job, like to, for someone else below them to elevate themselves and move into that starting lineup, whether that's, Kingsley Matia, a, a true freshman, the highest rated offensive tackle, offensive lineman signed in program history. Or maybe that's Logan Sagapalu, a, a, a freshman that's really come on strong. Maybe that's Stephen Jones, a sophomore pushing his way in, you know, full time now into the starting lineup. Um, a Marcus Harper. Um, I, I, I think that's what's intriguing to me is will there be a guy that pushes himself into that starting lineup despite every single starter back and then what does this starting lineup look like now that they've you know kind of gotten a whole year of cohesion and working together I mean they've talked a lot about this spring about how last year was so difficult all five starters knew all five guys learning to play with one another how big of a step have have, have those guys taken as well yeah no I I think for offensive line we're gonna learn a lot just from how they line up to start the scrimmage. Yeah. Just the first team, what, what does that look like? Who's that left tackle through right tackle? Um, I think we feel pretty – I feel really confident like Alex Forsythe's going to be at center. I feel like George Moore from everything we've heard will be at left tackle. And, 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 and maybe there will be no change. It'll just be exactly what we saw last year. I don't know. But I, I do think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of the rotations there and, and, and get a better idea of what this might look like because – I, I think I feel pretty confident now that this is not going to be a rotation again like it was last year. I think they're just going to yeah. pick their five and go with it. And I don't think there's been a they lot of indication that, that. they I – mean, I don't see why you wouldn't at this point. So, like, it's a little bit different scenario, I think, than it was last year where, where you're talking about rotating. So, it, it, it really is like who's your five. And 
The part that makes it a little more complicated is we'll have an answer for who their five is now, but when Big Sala comes back in the fall, I sure as heck am not betting against him in terms of retaining a starting spot. I think he might be their most talented offensive lineman from last year's team. So he'll be have to factor back into it. So we'll learn some of this and then we'll get into fall and we'll have more competition and more kind of figuring and tinkering with kind of what, every, how everything plays out. So I think the spring game will be good to see. And, and the other part is just like, how well do they play as a group? Like, do they get blown off the line? You know, and I talked about a second ago when it's this defensive line, like if this defensive line dominates and really wins some reps and kind of handles things, I think that'll be kind of a disappointment because I, I feel like the opposite should take place. I feel like the offensive line is positioned from a continuity perspective and a talent perspective to probably outperform the defensive line. So if this is a situation where that doesn't take place, I think that's going to be kind of at least a little bit notable. You want to see run game improvement, right? Like that's, 100%. Yeah, that's the big one. That's, that's the, big, the one. big one. Like if they're going to do anything from starting to second team to third team, it's run game improvement because I don't think they were 100% in that area last year. And they've acknowledged that. They've said, they've said it. Yeah, they've said it. So that'll be something for you to watch is the run game. How big of a hole do they create for Oregon's running backs to get through? Um, defensively, the secondary, we've touched on it at the, at, at the beginning of the show with some development here, so we don't need to spend too much time. But there is kind of some unknown at safety, right? Like we know DJ James and Mikhail Wright are starting at corner. Uh, we feel really good about Jamal Hill uh, at the nickelback position. Verone McKinley is, is your most experienced and probably your best player um, pound for pound back there. Um, maybe doesn't have the, the pro prospects that, that Mikhail Wright does, but is also an NFL player in his own right. Um, but who starts opposite him at the other safety spot? That one to me feels like, is it Jordan Happel? Is it Bennett Williams? Is it Steve Stevens? Can one of the true freshmen, uh, Damon David or Jeffrey Bassa, um, can one of those guys get into the discussion? Like, it feels like it's truly anyone's job right now. Yeah, we saw, we should know. Like, so what we've seen so far, Jordan Happel was the first team guy. And that was the case last season. So, like, I guess that makes sense. But I think Steve Stevens and Bennett Williams are two guys to really know there. Stevens had an interception in the first scrimmage and and, and seems like somebody from like a kind of like caliber of recruit talent perspective, kind of logically would be the next guy. He came in with Javon yeah. Holland and and didn't was not able to make an immediate impact. It's kind of similar to the Isaiah Crocker, Triquez Bridges kind of storyline where a kid's pretty highly regarded. You have expectations and, and he doesn't live up to them right away, but you don't write them off. And Stevens, I think, is certainly one of the more talented defensive backs just from a recruiting perspective on the team. And hey, there's a spot that's open. He's been in the program for a long time now and he's the same age as Verone and, and Javon. They came in the same class together. Um, maybe this is his time, you know, and, and I think there's probably some opt- some some hope for that that he will take advantage of this and make this his time and do, will beat out a guy like a Jordan Apple, who's I don't think quite as talented or physically gifted. So um, that that one's certainly the one that y- you have some sort of intri- you know intrigue with because the rest of the spots like Matt kind of ran through there. I think pretty clear like what's going to happen at corner. I mean, Jamal Hill is the, the team starting nickel, and Veron McKinley is clearly one of the safeties. So you know, there's four guys that you feel really good about and, and a fifth you don't. And I think that's going to be in the secondary, at least kind of the big thing you're, you're watching um, along with some of the young guys, because you, I, I, you are always curious to see in the first spring game action, like what, what do Damon David and, and what do Jalen Davies and we're looking at corners and what do was Jeffrey Bassa, how do those guys perform? Um, but for, yeah, from like, just a strictly like the, 
position battles, there's really only one that matters in the secondary right now, and that's that safety. I kind of wonder, like Bennett Williams, like who do you who do you pair opposite to Verone? Because Verone's a hitter, but Verone is probably best in coverage, right? Like, is that a fair assessment? You feel like? Yeah, I think that's fair, and 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 more so than that, like he's he's your smartest guy. He reads everything the best. You want him kind of back there, kind of looking at everything. I think, yeah. Like, I'm not saying Verone can't be a, a thumper. Like he is. He he can lay the wood in terms of knocking a guy down. But I mean, his his targeting calls last year showed he he will he won't make he won't be afraid to mix it up. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But I don't look at him and think he he was like a a picket or a breeze in terms of like heat seeking missile that we've seen the last couple of, of seasons at safety. Um, he's a better player than both those guys also because he's better overall, a yeah. well-rounded game. But do you go with like a Bennett Williams who does seem to fit kind of that same style of a breeze and a picket, uh, which uh, this is a guy that just is a heat seeking missile. And I mean, he played linebacker at some points during the 2020 season because of depth issues at that position because of injury. Um, does Bennett Williams, where does he fit into the mix? Like that's kind of my wild card for that safety spot. Like Steve Stevens, I look at him more as kind of like a Verone, well-rounded, can kind of play everywhere, can kind of do everything well. Um, Bennett's more of the line of scrimmage guy, you know, more line, you know, he's a safety through and through, but plays more like a linebacker than, you know, like a free safety. Um, and then also kind of like, I'm, I'm curious to see Brian Addison. Like we yeah. haven't discussed much about him at all, all, all spring, especially on this podcast guy was moved from receiver to safety came to Oregon to, to place, you know, receiver because he couldn't get into school at UCLA as a safety because of, you know, admissions issues with the Bruins back now to safety what does he look like? I mean, you don't see very many six foot five safeties all that often, and Oregon's got one. Yeah, he's super intriguing, and I, we talked about it. They, whatever whatever opening he was in, he's also the same class as, as Vaughn and right. and uh, Steve and those guys. But I still remember that camp up at, up in Portland on the Nike campus, and just been like, this guy covers so much space and is so dynamic at the back end. And at that time, Oregon wasn't super involved in the recruitment; they were like kind of sitting fourth or fifth or something. End up signing a, a, eventually with UCLA, and then got out and end up at Oregon, but. There was certainly some stuff you saw then as a 17 or 18 year old that was really encouraging. And now you kind of wonder what it looks like a couple of years down the road and that length in the secondary there. I mean, I don't know exactly how physical he is and maybe that's a concern, but like in terms of pass coverage, obviously ball skills as a receiver, a good athlete as a receiver and somebody who at least has the range to cover a lot of space and, and, and make things happen. So you can't, I mean, that's somebody, yeah, just in terms of like, who do I most want to watch? Like he's probably not like at the top of the list, but you bring his name up and I go like, yeah, I'd be really curious to see how Brian Addison plays in this game and kind of what his role is. And I think, I mean, just from a, the, the safety perspective, kind of what is the hierarchy? What does the depth chart look like? Who gets the first team, second team, third team reps all the way down? That's just something I'll be curious on. And I think Brian's one of those guys at the top where I'm just like, I don't know if he's the team's fifth best safety or their third best safety or their ninth best safety. I really don't, but I'll be curious to see kind of what it looks like on, on Saturday from in terms of how much he plays. And then the last uh, kind of storyline to watch here is kind of the, the we'll call them the pass catchers, receivers and tight ends. Um, there's a lot of expectations for Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, Micah Pittman. Um, those three guys are probably your three most talented players at receiver. 
probably your opening day starting lineup. But then what does a Devin Williams do? What does a Chris Hudson do? Um, Josh Delgado, three guys that played significant reps last season. Devin Williams even started some. And, and at times last year, Eric, I mean, he, he looked like the best guy uh, at, at that yeah. position. Um, and yeah. then now we're adding Crocker into the mix. We've got some freshmen in Dante Thornton and Troy Franklin. There's a lot of intrigue right now, I think, to see kind of where receiver position shakes out. Can one of the older guys, you know, elevate themselves to all Pac-12, the best receiver in the conference? Can one of the younger guys push their way into the, into the starting lineup? And then at tight end, I mean, it's it's anybody's game right now. You know, DJ Johnson's the most experienced guy coming back from the 2020 season, but Spencer Webb had the be- has had the best statistical season over the course of a career. And that's because of what he did as a, as a redshirt freshman in 2019. There's a couple freshmen in this group. Patrick Herbert's now healthy. This is, I think, a sneaky a sneaky position battle to watch, tight end and receiver, just because there's so much talent here. Yeah, and I think it, at wide receiver, I, I start with. I will be curious to see who the first team, what who the first three are out there. I mean, you you say Jalen Red, Michael Pittman, Johnny Johnson. Like I probably agree with you, but I don't count out Devin Williams' talent, right. and I won't count out the fact that he's made some strides. And I mean, he probably has a higher upside than some of those guys. And so, I mean, I think you probably don't see one of the seniors pulled off there. But like between Devin and Michael, how does that play out? And it ultimately, it probably doesn't matter that much because I think those guys are going to play a lot regardless in the fall. But who's your three? Who's your four? Um, because we think it's one of those two guys, and then yeah, like who's who's who else is with the second unit? You know, who's who's your five and six? I, I, I don't know right now. You know, Josh Delgado has the most ex, you know experience probably. Isaiah Crocker is a, a name that's been around but hasn't performed particularly really at all. Chris Hudson's a guy we're really excited about, and then you got a couple true freshmen. I think there's a lot of like. I think you feel really, you know who the top four guys are. You maybe don't know the order with those guys, but then it's kind of also finding like who's, what's the order after that? What's five, six, seven, eight, nine look like? Lance Wilhoit's the only guy who we haven't really heard a whole lot about this spring. Do we see his name come out and does he make some plays? And then tight end is, yeah, like what you said, I, I think it's a little hard to know exactly where we're at right now because at least in the first scrimmage, DJ Johnson didn't play. Yeah. And without him out there, it was Chris Spencer Webb and, and Patrick Herbert. Uh, at tight end, it was first, first team second reps. team. And so, like, it's just – it is an interesting spot of, like, last fall it was no one's healthy. We don't know what this looks like now in the spring. Some of the key guys aren't healthy. What's this look like? Cam McCormick, bless his heart, continues to be kind of sidelined, you know, so I don't know what you can expect from him. And then you have the two true freshmen in Maliki and Terrence Ferguson. And I thought Matavajo at least had some really great moments in the first scrimmage. So there, there is a lot of reason for optimism with both groups, but I think still, and, and I think why this is a good storyline to keep a track on for, for the spring game, not necessarily a, a massive amount of, of idea of kind of how this all shakes out and kind of what the order is maybe top to bottom. It'll be curious to see how far along the freshmen are, right? Like yeah, those are the guys that those two, and I'll, I'll lump in Herbert cause um, he's a freshman as well, a red shirt freshman, but it really feels like if one of those three guys kind of elevates himself and gets into a position where they're a starter or they share the, the role with whoever else, like that could, 
from a recruiting standpoint, that could really impact things down the road because you look at it like, well, they've got a guy now for three or four years at that position. Like that's going to be really interesting to see is how far along these freshmen are. And like you said, Matavo, from a physical standpoint, that dude looks the part already, yeah. which is pretty impressive. Yeah, no question. Uh, the talent, there's going to be great talent at that position. It's just a matter of how it figures itself out. All right. Bold prediction time for the spring game. Um, Eric, you you give me your predictions, and I'll tell you if you're just off the rails or if I kind of agree with what you're thinking here. All right. I think Anthony Brown plays well but turns it over twice. I agree. And that includes fumbles. I just think there's going to be some mishaps. I don't think that's out of I don't think that's out of out of the realm. I mean, we saw him, we saw that happen in but what both the Fiesta Bowl and the Pac-12 championship game. Um Pac-12 championship, he had a pick that was dropped, but yes. he did fumble one in yeah, in the Fiesta so Bowl. we've seen ball security in the limited snaps uh present itself um now he won't get sacked in the spring game they won't allow sacks you know for the quarterback but it will be interesting to see the turnovers so i don't think that's out of the realm i don't think i'm gonna say that's 100 gonna happen but i also am lying with you thinking like turnovers could happen with him walk on running back cross Patton will lead the team in rushes yes number of, number of rushes and i think maybe by a lot I am all in on this one, 100% buying this. I mean, he looked fantastic in that first scrimmage yeah. uh, that they had a couple weeks ago for Oregon, and it looks like he isn't a walk-on. From when we watch him play, and you know, Oregon running back coach Jim Mastro said the same thing, that you know, this is a dude. He, he's got the talent. It's just the opportunity hasn't been there, and he's taking advantage of it. And knowing the fact that, Trey Benson will not be healthy to, to, to play in the spring game. Right. Seven McGee is not here. Um, Cardwell is not here. Uh, they've got just basically, you know, they've had to move Tevin Jennis or walk on receiver. They added a walk on running back to the spring game or to the, to the spring roster because it's going in. It was CJ Verdell, Travis Dye, and Cross Patton with Cyrus Abilakio transferring out of the program and the other injuries. So I'm all with you. I, I think Patton gets the most carries and unless Verdell or die break off like a 70 yarder, like Verdell did in the first scrimmage. Yeah. Patton will be the leading rusher for, for the spring game and will probably be one of the biggest storylines that all the media will write about. I, yeah, I agree. Cause what's going to happen probably is Verdell and die will get like a combined three series. And then it's just going to be cross Patton and Aaron Smith for, the rest of the game, which is which is what you do when you're that depleted at running back, and you have a player like CJ Verdell with the the injury history he has. Um, I'm going to say as a here's a third one. One of the true freshman wide receivers slash tight ends catches a touchdown. Yes, all in on that. Four, four, I, you got four options to hit. I I think I'll go even I'll 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 throw one out here. Okay, I think one of the true freshman tight end receivers including Herbert because he's a redshirt freshman. Okay. Um, I think one of those guys, so Thornton, um, Franklin, Ferguson, Matavo, and Herbert, those five, and Hudson too, six. Give me six guys. Hudson, I'm kind of cheating here. You're taking but, the whole roster, man. <laughs> those six, 
One of those guys leads the team in receptions, scores two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. He has the old Daywood Davis game yes. in the spring game, which, as we know, that really turned out. Sorry, I don't want to trash Daywood because Daywood was a great team player. But that was that great spring game he had where everyone was so excited, and then he, he never had a touchdown in the game. I mean, I don't think we're going to see a ton of Johnny Johnson and a ton of Jalen. No, I don't Gray. either. Like, they don't need – they need the reps to, you know, to keep improving some game rep scenarios, but it's not like they're going to be out there for a hundred snaps or 75 snaps, like 25, 30, maybe. I'm going to make a really specific, bold one here, Matt. I just thought of one. Triquist Bridges pick six because of your stat, because of your stat, (laughs) you're 13 in high school. I possible, possible. I mean, they're going to throw the ball a lot, right? We're going to have to see yeah. what this this receiving core, what this offense, what these quarterbacks can do. I the think they'll be able to run. So it's they're going to have to throw the football a lot. So more opportunities to for interceptions. I I, I see that. Um, not a bold prediction for the story, but just discussion standpoint. Okay. Receive uh, not receiver quarterback. Who leads the team in passing yards? I'll say I'll say Jay Butterfield. Because my 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 guess is that they are going to well, I don't know, because I'm in no, no, I'll say Anthony Brown. I will say Anthony Brown, because I think what'll happen is I think that they will keep him running with the ones for the entirety, and they're gonna rotate like twos and threes behind, and it's just gonna be he's gonna end up more pass attempts by like 10 than them. So I bet he leads it, but I think I'll say Jay Butterfield second because I, I bet that the pa- number of pass attempts is pretty even for two, three, and four, and Brown ends up with like eight to ten more pass attempts than the other guys. So what you're saying is it'll be like we don't know the format yet. No, but what you're thinking true. is is that first team offense will play the entirety, you know, offensive line, quarterback, and we might see you know some guys rotating at, at running back and receiver and tight yeah. end. But first team offensive line with Anthony Brown, so they get a lot of reps there. And then second team offense will be a, a shuffling of die of, of of Butterfield, Ashford, and Thompson. And they'll that will split like that, 40 throws. Yeah, that's that would be exactly my guess. Is that you'll get like 40 throws for the starting quarterback, 30 throws for the starting quarterback, and then a combined 30 or 40 for the other guys. Yeah. That would be my guess. So that's why I say Brown probably because he just has more opportunity. Probably. Probably. I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast and the video. Thank you for watching. If you have, if you aren't, uh, check out uh, the links. We'll have those in the show notes on the podcast form. Thank you for allowing us to try this out. We're going to continue working through it. Uh, Make sure to follow us. Uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you use, Google Podcasts to listen to the show. Uh, We've got a lot of coverage this week leading out to the spring game. And until we talk to you next year on the podcast, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks.